Welcome to From the Heart with Daryl Underwood, pastor of Servant's Heart Chapel in Clovis, New Mexico. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by this week's sermon. Now here's Pastor Daryl. So last week we kind of ran out of time. <laughs> Intended to preach on the entire chapter of Acts and only got through verse uh, 16. I'm hoping to get through the rest of that today, but I'm certainly not going to rush it. Um, so we'll see where we're at in the, the, the time I like to keep. I'd like to keep preaching not much longer than 30 minutes, between 30 and 45 minutes. I try to keep it in that range. So, but last week we talked about this, this, this Gentile, this Roman uh, leader, a military leader, a soldier uh, that had a vision by God. And at the same time, Peter had a vision. Um, and we talked about what all that meant. And then now we're at verse 17. So let's read this together. While Peter was deeply perplexed about what the vision he had seen might mean, the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions to Simon's house, stood at the gate. So here's Peter at the top of the roof, really confused about what he just saw. And three men show up at the gate of the house. They called out, Asking if Simon, who was also named Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter uh, was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit told him, Three men are here looking for you. Get up. Go downstairs and accompany them with no doubts at all, because I have sent them. The Holy Spirit sent these men. So what does Peter do? The verse 21 says, Then Peter went down. I want to point out that Peter was a spirit-directed man. The Holy Spirit gave him a direction and he followed that. There was no questioning about it. There was no rationalizing. He did as he was told. I ask you today, does the Spirit speak to your heart? Spirit can speak to our hearts at various times and in various ways. Often when reading the Bible, a scripture verse will just jump. It's like the verse is shouting at us. And we know that truth is meant for us in that moment in the circumstances of our lives at that present moment. Sometimes it's during prayer. You might be praying uh, about something and, and God brings to mind something that you need to make right with somebody else. Or maybe something that you need to do for somebody. Sometimes The Spirit speaks to us about a thought that we just had that wasn't appropriate, didn't line up 
Holy Spirit does a lot of correcting in our lives, in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions, our behaviors, the way we live life. The Spirit speaks to us. And many people who you know, go to smoke and they go, oh, I'm not supposed to do this. They're baby Christians. They didn't know before. But the Spirit speaks to them. And it's not just all about sin. Although the Spirit does a lot of correcting. He's, a, he's, he's good at that. That's what He does. Helps, helps line up our hearts and life with, with the Lord and what is pleasing to Him. The Spirit can guide us in a certain direction. I remember a story of a man who prayed and asked God that he would be used. Lord, please use me. And he felt very strongly that he needed to go buy a gallon of milk. And that thought, well, that's kind of odd, but he went ahead and did that. No big deal. And then he's driving down the street. I think he was going home, and then he felt very strongly that he needed to turn off the road. And he turned, and, and he's driving some more, and he felt very strongly he needs to turn again. And he went and did that. And he felt very strongly he needed to stop it in front of a house. Like, okay. He wasn't really sure if this is, you know, is this God? But he went ahead, and he felt very strongly he needed to go to the door and knock on the door. And he, oh, Lord, this, I'm going to look foolish. And so he knocked on the door with the had milk in his hand, and he went in and knocked on the door, and he told God, I want, God, I want you to use me. And knocked on the door, and, and a woman answered with a crying baby in her hands. And he, he said, ma'am, I'm supposed to give this to you. And she broke down and cried. She's like, we've been praying that God will provide us milk. We have no milk for the baby. That's a spirit-led, spirit-led life. There's many stories like that. Like the spirit-led woman who was in El Paso one day on the street and she felt very strongly that she needed to go up to this young woman who was a complete stranger to her and tell her, I know you're going through a lot, but God loves you and give her a hug. And that young woman was Karina, Marcos' wife, years ago. The spirit-led woman did that as the answer to our prayers. <clears throat> yeah, Peter was a spirit-led man. Verse 21, Peter went down to the men and said, Here I am, the one you're looking for. What is the reason you're here? He, he didn't know. And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, 
an upright and God-fearing man who has a good reputation with the whole Jewish nation and was, was divinely directed by a holy angel to call you to his house and hear a message from you. That's what they told him. A man by the name of Jack Arnold, I believe he was a theologian, uh, once wrote regarding this, uh, for you who are not yet Christians, what is the lesson you can learn from the life of Cornelius? Cornelius teaches the insufficiency of human goodness for salvation. He teaches the insufficiency of human goodness for salvation. Because you see, Cornelius was a good man. A sincere man, a devout man, a, a benevolent man, a generous man, a family man, a witnessing man, a religious man, a praying man, and a seeking man. But he was not a Christian man. And we have many men and women in our churches, in our communities, who are good people, who are praying people, who are religious people, but they're not Christ's followers. I remember Sarah, I, Tony's wife, Sarah, she told Missy and I, you know, years ago that in the months, a few months, uh, uh, two or three months prior to them becoming part of our church, she had an epiphany. She'd grown up in church, gone through the motions, did all the things that Christian churches do, sing and the prayers and the communion and all that stuff, and she realized she was not a Christian. And she became one. She put her trust in Christ, confessed her sins, and, and, and got her heart right with God, and put her faith in Jesus and what he did. So was Cornelius. It was not until he heard the message of Jesus Christ from Peter and responded to Christ by faith that he was truly saved. Born again and a man who, in whom Christ lived. Ask your friend today, are you saved? You may be religious and not regenerated. You may be humanly good, but not born of God. You may be a churchman or churchwoman and not a true Christian. You're not a Christian until you put your trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior alone to save you. Cornelius wanted to hear the message. Verse 23, Peter invited them in and gave them lodging. That's big. Peter was, remember I talked before about the, the racist views? 
And we still see that today, but then too, Jewish people felt like the gospel was just for them. They felt like Gentiles were filthy, were defiled, they were not to be interacted with. They And certainly don't welcome them into your home, because you don't go in their homes, they don't go in your homes. And here Peter is inviting these Gentiles into the house. There's a story about Gandhi. He shared in his autobiography that in his student days in England, he was deeply touched by reading the Gospels and seriously considered becoming a convert to Christianity, which seemed to offer a real solution to the caste system that divided the people of India. If you don't know, in India, there's this, this system of different levels in the society, and you have people that live at a lower level and those who live in a higher level. They're, those of the higher level are considered better than those in the lower level. Call it caste system. One day, he attended church services and decided to ask the minister for enlightenment on salvation and other doctrines. But when Gandhi entered the sanctuary, the ushers refused to give him a seat and suggested that he go elsewhere to worship with his own people. He left and never came back. He said, if Christians have caste differences also, I might as well remain a Hindu. And he did. You know those men in that church have blood on their hands? They have blood on their hands. Gandhi, as far as we know, Gandhi never became a Christian. But Peter welcomed them in. The next day, he got up and set out with him, and some of the brothers from Joppa went with him. The, the following day, he entered Caesarea. He entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his friends and close relatives. <clears throat> he had called together his friends and close relatives. Why? To hear this message because, see, this was a home Bible class is what this was. He opened, he opened up his home. He gathered friends and relatives. He probably had some refreshments in the back. And he invited Peter to speak. And you know, still to this day, this is one of the best ways to share the gospel. To invite your friends and family. Thank you, sweetheart. Into your home. And have someone come to share the gospel. Maybe you're too shy, uncomfortable with doing it yourself. And so you invite someone who is comfortable with doing it. This is still the best way. This method is being used in China right now. And although we don't have a hard number, we're pretty certain that right now there are more Christians in China 
than in the U.S. And it's been all this kind of home Bible study, inviting friends over here, come hear the story, come hear this, what this truth is. And right now, China, the government's been trying to crack down on it, but they're not going to be able to extinguish it. They can, they can bulldoze a physical church, but they can't bulldoze the church. They can send a few people to prison, but they can't send everybody to prison. So Cornelius had this home Bible study, and in and, and, and verse 25, when Peter entered, uh, Cornelius met him, and he fell at his feet and worshipped him. Certainly not appropriate, but he, you know, it's not often an angel visits you and tells you, come, come see you with a message. You probably overreact too. But Peter reacted appropriately, helped him up and said, stand up, I myself and also am a man. He, Peter refuses worship. You know, some pastors should follow suit. Some pastors receive a lot of worship. And they just take it in. Oh yeah, you love me, everybody loves me. Verse 27, while talking with him, he went on and found that many had come together there. And Peter said to them, you know it's forbidden for a Jewish man to associate with or visit a foreigner. But God has shown me that I must not call any person common or unclean. First, a couple things we want to point out here. First, that the whole association and visiting, that wasn't God's law. That was pharisaical law. Those are the extra rules that we've been talking about. Second, um, God showed Peter food, unclean food. So here, eat. Peter realized that meant that was also talking about people. God expects us to think, to use our mind. Verse 29, that's why I came without any objection when I was sent for. So when I so I ask, why did you send for me? He still didn't know. His purpose there. He just knew the Holy Spirit told him to go with them. Why did you send for me? Peter was willing to get out uh, of his comfort zone. Do something he's never done before. Something that stretched social norms. I want to tell you, the church is supposed to be a training center and not a country club. We get comfortable, us four and no more mentality. I have a dear friend, a wonderful preacher, man of God. Years ago, he had a church in Florida. 
And he was fired from that church because he was bringing in too many sinners in the church. They didn't want all those outsiders. And God's since blessed them. They started a church in North Carolina around the same time we started our church, and I think they're running like 80, 60 or 80. God blessed them. They stood their ground and did what was right in spite of the opposition, and God blessed them. Getting out of the comfort zone. The other church, the church that fired, wouldn't get out of their comfort zone. We need to make sure and do that ourselves. Uh, you know, I joke, I, we have the, the Griffins and the Whitmans in Japan, right? And we joke about them being uh, uh, basically servants, heart chapels, uh, missionary endeavors. But Kaylin and Cody are doing God's work. They, uh, they went uh, into town, one of their various forays, to discover and, and, and take in the sights. And they came across this mom and pop little restaurant. And they went in, and this Japanese woman was the proprietor. And she spoke almost no English at all. And, but they had a wonderful time and wonderful food. And, and Kaylin just kept thinking, we need to maintain a relationship with this woman. We need to do something for her. And she figured out this woman would love to learn English. And so they went back to her and told her that we want to teach you English. And when she figured out what they were trying to tell her, that they were wanting to teach her English at no cost, just to be friendly, to be friends, she began to cry. I don't know what's going to come of this. But I'm not going to be shocked if one day I get a text message from Caitlin and Cody saying, Akiko gave her heart to the Lord. We need to get out of our comfort zone. Certainly it's not comfortable for Caitlin and Cody to do that. They're doing it, and the Lord will bless their endeavors. Verse 30, Cornelius replied. Remember, uh, Peter just asked, why did you send for me? Cornelius replied, four days ago at this hour, at three in the afternoon, I was praying in my house. Then a man in dazzling robes stood before me and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your acts of charity have been remembered in God's sight. Oops. In God's sight. Therefore, send someone to Joppa and invite Simon here, who is also named Peter. He is lodging in Simon the Tanner's house by the sea. Therefore, I immediately sent for you, and you did the right thing in coming. So we are all present before God to hear everything you have been commanded by the Lord. <coughs> Verse 34, then Peter began to speak. Now I really understand that God doesn't show favoritism. He finally got it. 
God's been beating him in the head with this truth all this time, and it finally clicks. God doesn't show favoritism. Verse 35, but in every nation, every nation, every nationality, it doesn't matter where you come from, the person who fears God, fears Him, and does righteousness is acceptable to Him. Those are the qualifications. Not what nationality you come from, but if you fear God and do what is right, you will be acceptable before the Lord. Verse 36. <clears throat> he sent the message to the Israelites proclaiming the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Not just the Jewish people. It's not... Lord God is not just the God of the Jewish people, the Jewish nation. God is our God, everyone's God, the only one and true and living God, the creator of the universe, the one who runs everything, the one who is the ultimate authority. He is God. You know the events, verse 37, that took place throughout Judea. Now here, <clears throat> he begins to share the gospel. You know the events that took place throughout Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, <clears throat> how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing. And I want to say here that Jesus still heals. Jesus healed then and he heals now. Heals if your heart is broken, heals you of anxiety, heals you of, 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 of any sin that binds you. The Lord still heals, heals our souls. By healing all who are under the tyranny of the devil. Because God was with him. We ourselves are witnesses of everything he did in both the Judean country and in Jerusalem. We're witnesses. That's what Peter said. They were witnesses then. And I want to say that we are still witnesses. And that what you did today, you witnessed uh, for Christ. You witness what God did in your life. We're supposed to be doing that in church, out of church, in the community, with our friends, when we're out having fun, when we're working, when we're at school, witnessing for Christ. Not just with our words, but with our actions. Behaving in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. So someone says, hey, I want to be like that guy. And Peter says, uh, yet they killed him, killed Jesus, by hanging him on a tree. Verse 40, God raised up this man. God raised up Jesus. And I want to say today that God raised up Jesus then, and Jesus is still risen. He's still won. He's still victorious. 
And it doesn't matter what's going on in your life right now. You don't know what's happening. Maybe you feel defeated. Maybe you feel like the devil is winning in your life. But I want to tell you that Jesus is still risen. He's still victorious over sin. He's still victorious over death. Praise the Lord. Can I get an amen? Amen. Raised up this man on the third day and permitted him to be seen, not by all the people, but by us, witnesses appointed beforehand by God, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to solemnly testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. I want to tell you that Jesus was appointed back then by God to one day be the judge of the living and the dead. I want to tell you that judgment is still coming. Don't think, don't forget, it's easy to think that we're going to live forever, especially when you're young. That we're going to live forever. That that day is not coming. It's forever. It's not going to happen. It's so far away. But I'm telling you, that day is coming. For us, it's coming sooner than others. For us, it may be coming tomorrow. For you, it may be coming tomorrow. Or even today, you may not lay down in your bed today. That may not happen. You may be, by the end of the day, you may be laying on a cold steel slab. We don't know what the day is going to bring. Judgment is coming. We want to be ready. I want to be ready. I want to not trust in my own works and my own ability, but by the blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He is my righteousness. He is my Lord. Verse 43, all the prophets testify about him and through his name everyone who believes in him will receive forgiveness of sins Woo! that's a truth everyone it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or where you come from if you believe in Christ you'll receive forgiveness of your sins And I'll tell you, when Peter said this, people, that was true. People could be forgiven. And I'm telling you now, people still can be forgiven. You can still have victory over sin. You can still live free of guilt. You can still heal broken relationships. Praise the Lord. Peter gives the gospel to these people. Hearing this truth for the first time, the story of Christ, hearing this. And while Peter, verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came down on all those who heard the message. The Holy Spirit came down. 
In verse 45, the circumcised believers, these are the, the Jewish Christians who, who at the time believed that, oh, you've got to follow Mosaic law still to be a Christian. You've got to be circumcised. God's not going to bless you if you're not circumcised. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded. They were shocked because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon the Gentiles also. They weren't expecting that. Verse 46, But they heard them speaking in other languages and declaring the greatness of God. Clear signs of the Holy Spirit in their life. Then Peter responded, Can anyone withhold water and prevent these people from being baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you that they baptized people back then and we still use baptism today as a public display that I belong to Jesus. Then they asked them to stay. They asked them to stay for a few days. Now we don't know what Peter did those few days. Maybe I'm sure had a lot of basic discipleship going on. He probably talked about essentials for success uh, for a Christian. That every day you want to read the Bible, you want to pray, and whatever God tells you to do, you want to obey. Or maybe he talked about the importance of church participation. That this Christian walk isn't a solo walk. We don't just try to do it on our own. We do it together, lifting together the weight, the burdens of life. Maybe he talked about witnessing the importance of sharing what Jesus did for you with others. Or maybe he talked about memorizing and meditation of Scripture, uh, committing Scripture to memory and thinking about it and, and, and making it part of who you are and what you believe and what you do. Maybe uh, he talked about uh, restitution as a new Christian. That's kind of important. You become a new Christian and you got to make things right with people that you've wronged. I had to go back after I got saved. I had to go back and confess to a woman that I had stolen from her. I was terrified. Because I knew right then she'd call the cops and I'd be going to jail. But I knew it was absolutely important that I go to her, that I confess, and I, and I, and I, I make it right. And I went to her just scared, in tears, and, and I told her what I did, and I, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. And she said, oh, that's okay. I know what it's like to be in sin. That was her response. 
Maybe Peter talked about early struggles of a Christian. How your old buddy, you get saved, and, and, and your old buddies suddenly don't want to be around you anymore. You're becoming weird. You're becoming a Jesus freak. You're becoming a holy roller, a Bible thumper. They start making fun of you. They reject you. Because they don't want to live like that. They're running from God. Or maybe Peter talked about the spiritual warfare that's going on. That there's, there's, we need to protect ourselves because there are, there are things that we can't see that are trying to influence us against God. Or maybe he talked about conquering sinful habits. Those things in our life, you know, we know is wrong, and for some reason we just it keeps tripping us up over and over again. Or maybe he talked about the law of sowing and reaping, how you sow sin in your life, you're going to reap corruption and death, and you sow righteousness, you reap life. And maybe he talked, or maybe he talked about forgiveness. How important is a new Christian to forgive those who have hurt us, forgive those who have done us wrong, and continue to forgive people who hurt us and, and do us wrong. We forgive our enemies because Christ has forgiven us. He could have talked about a lot of things, but here we have this, this wonderful moment, this truth, that Jesus isn't just for the Jewish people. He came to save all of us. And all we got to do is fear God and do what's right. And believe in Jesus and our sins will be forgiven. Praise the Lord. Let's stand. Thank you for joining us. If you liked this podcast, then hit the subscribe button. Also, take some time to rate us. Feel free to check out our website at servantsheartchapel.org and you can email us at servantsheartchapel at gmail.com. Thanks again and have a blessed week.